0: And with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Hey, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgi, and I'm glad to have you with me here today. The Road to a Billion is a call-in radio show where you can ask me questions about freelancing, copywriting, entrepreneurship mindset, scaling funnels, relationships, money, and more. The reason for the name road to a billion is because uh, I should hit like a billion dollars in sales this year uh, for both my own products. And those of the clients who I write copy for. And then I want to make a impact in the lives of a billion people over the next 10 years. And that's like emotional, uh, spiritual, financial, um, some kind of like meaningful impact. So we'll start taking, uh, you know, questions in about five, I don't know, realistically about 10, 15 minutes from now. And the way it works is you put your questions into the Q and A section in the Zoom. Uh, then Ed Ray will review those questions and feed them to myself and also Scott, who I will introduce in a second. And we'll answer as many as we can. Uh, so Ed, do you want to go ahead and quickly say hello and introduce yourself to everybody?
1: Hi, my name is Ed Ray. I'm wearing a shirt today, and uh, <laughs> uh, I specialize in Facebook compliance and uh, helping people scale compliantly on Facebook without uh, the fear of the good old Zuck banhammer. So.
0: It's a good, it's a good thing. Good. It's a needed, needed skill. Uh, and then I'm also joined today with our, our special guest is Mr. Scott Roick. Scott, I kind of just pulled stuff off of like a banner I found about you. I want to, we'll go more into your, your career, but um, you know, I know you've, you've been in the space for 20 years, which is actually something I want to talk about a good amount today because I think that um, it, it says thing to have longevity. I think it's one thing to come in and have success for a year or two, or you have one offer that, scales or, you know, whatever it is, but to, to kind of be in the space for 20 years, like you've seen a lot of things. Um, and I just think you have a lot of wisdom. So I'm really excited for that. Um, and then in addition to that, I know you've generated over $300 million in sales, um, mostly for your own kind of like companies, which is, which is cool. So like now as an affiliate, not as a copywriter, um, but as an in, in the trenches entrepreneur, you've raised over $30 million in venture financing and uh you're just a really smart guy, really humble, really funny, uh, and a really good friend. At my wedding, It's only we were like not allowed to have Laura did not let me invite like uh, people in the industry to our wedding because she was like, "Oh, I don't want this to turn into like a mastermind <laughs> at our wedding." Um, but then Scott like was like, "I really want to come." Most uh, people don't
2: know how hard I had to lobby you. Stuff t- <laughs> I, I was on my knees begging. I just had to go to this wedding. So, and you're right, it was under the auspice of like. Do not turn this into a mastermind. do not joke about you know platinum and you know it, it, this is our wedding and so it I was I okay I was okay right you did
0: you did quite well you you really um you made it man you made it an extra special time but yeah you you lobbied me and then I had to lobby like Laura and how to get a whole presentation it's like you know Scott Roick at our wedding and you know our
2: point everything the whole yeah. thing. sales yeah. letter BSL or no
0: um you know what I just went with a um like the onstage pitch so. I had my clicker and the laser pointer, you know, and, uh,
2: Well, it worked. You know. So thanks, Laura.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, no, and it was, it was a blast. So, um, so obviously Scott, I've known you for a few years back. So for people too who are watching, um, you have know, talked about going to that, that, uh, kind of weekend mastermind at a chateau in France and how that was like this big moment for me. Cause I was really a fledgling young, you know, upstart and felt kind of out of my league and overwhelmed and all of that. Although Scott didn't know that at the time, but, um, but Scott, Scott and his uh, partner at the time, Chris Clark are the ones who put that, uh, that event on. And so that was like, you know, really cool. That's when we first met. And then, um, obviously we stayed friends since. So that was three, four years
2: ago, four years ago. I want to say it's nearly five years ago. I would think. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. Good long while, man. But that was, that was super fun. And we, we got drunk on a, on a wine tasting thing, but not on wine, on whiskey. And I that was what
1: Stefan,
2: because you had, you had coveted this special bottle that you found in this random town in in France that you, you had just, you'd said, this is the bottle I've been looking for for years. And you were so stoked and you were, and I, and it was, let's drink it. And we drank the whole bottle yeah, uh, on, on the, uh, on our wine tasting tour. So I felt very guilty. Well, do you remember what that was? It was a very special bottle of, of I- I don't
0: even remember, but I remember it was delicious. I know I should remember, but it was, I, I don't remember a lot after we drank the bottle. Um, but I remember that though, because at the, the wine cave, these wine caves in France and like we had one of the people in the group was like a really big, like wine enthusiast, and he was like so excited and we're on this wine tour and you know, it's France. So they're pretty like proud of their wine. And like, they're trying to take us on this tour and share. Um, you know, information. And we were just like super drunk and obnoxious and like wandering down like caves that we were yeah. supposed to go into. And
2: the ugly American. Right. Yeah. yeah. We
0: were just like the complete prototypical, like obnoxious American, just super, super Scotch drunk, just taking, we were just like taking pools from the bottle, like this was pre COVID when you could just pass a bottle around, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Um, what I was going to say was one Scott, I feel like people are, um, there's only one question in here, which I'm surprised about. Cause like. Uh, I think, but I think it's cause they're a little intimidated by you as someone who's like actually run a business and done all these incredible things. I don't know. Uh, not, it's too, we got a second question, but I'd, I'd love to see, you know, people, um, you know, popping in your questions about stuff But Scott, maybe, maybe people have more questions as you share a bit about your background, your story and your history as well. So I'd love if you could take a few, uh, few minutes to do that, Scott.
2: Yeah, sure. It's, it, this is always my least favorite topic talking about myself, uh, but I'll get my best shot. I mean, I, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. I went to school in L.A. back in the '90s when most of people on this call were probably 10 or 15 years old or something. Um, but I got lucky to move back to the Bay Area in 1996, and there was a lot going on there. Kind of like I call it like the first wave of the internet marketing madness was happening. Um, and so I was just very fortunate to kind of get a get a job essentially with an internet startup that ended up selling for a bunch of money. But I was kind of like I felt like I had found my home at that point um, because I had had kind of a rather checkered job career up to that point in terms of being an employee. I just really ended up not being a good employee, but I was fortunate enough to kind of um, really be surrounded by a lot of really intelligent, smart people doing cool things when we were really at its infancy in terms of online marketing. So, um, yeah. So first and foremost, I think I'm just super lucky, like right place, right time. Cause in the Bay area, uh, there was just a lot going on with this, this new medium of online advertising. So, um, so yeah, I mean, my first real kind of like foray into entrepreneurship was a company called uh, Meta Reward. It was originally called NetFlip, but um, it really ended up becoming one of the first affiliate networks uh, out there where we essentially tried to marry advertisers like Columbia House, Netflix, um, those of you who remember Columbia House, uh, American Express with this new set of of affiliates that were doing super interesting things. And as I kind of alluded to earlier, more often than not, they were kind of the misfits. They were the 18-year-old, 17-year-old kids that had figured out how to become affiliates back in, you know, 2000, stuff like that. Um, so a long time ago. Anyway, um that's really kind of how I jumped into the space uh, back with uh, Meta Reward. We sold that company to Experian for thirty million bucks, um, which was great. Um, and then I moved on to create a company called NetBlue with uh, a guy that who was ended up being my biggest affiliate guy named Ken Chan, and um, we grew that company quite a bit, uh, probably one hundred and twenty million dollars in revenue. Uh, we were really kind of doing two things we were doing a direct to consumer we were one of the first guys to do like the get a free hundred dollar gift card from visa by Mm -hmm. signing up for american express these types of things um and we grew that quite big we raised 30 million bucks in capital or 20 million bucks in capital um and that had a life of its own um You know, and then from there, you know, kind of branched out and did a a number of different things with different companies. Started a company called Next Internet with my partner. We built a big list management business called Web Juice, got that to about like 80 million bucks, did some direct-to-consumer stuff. Um, Yeah, so I mean, that then morphed into a bunch of other stuff that I could bore you with. Um, The last six years uh, in particular, um, I've been focused on building a company called Native Path with um, my partner at the time, Chris Clark. We were very, very new to the direct-to-consumer health space, so I feel like we kind of like stumbled along in the first year or two, trying to understand what a VSL was and um, and info products in that whole world. Um, And then we scaled that to about thirty million bucks a year. And then about a year ago, I took some time off to go spend time with my son, which is basically how I spend most of my time now, just being a dad. But yeah, I mean, it's like it's been amazing. Like I, it's been an amazing run over twenty years to see. Not only how the industry has evolved, but just um, the, the level of sophistication that it's gotten to and how uh, really open it is to, to make a ton of money and do really well in this space. So, yeah, more than anything else, man, I just feel very, very fortunate. I love what I do. I, I'm super boring at cocktail parties because I just want to talk about AOV and LTV and offer bumps and like all that stuff that nobody else wants to talk about. So, I'm super awkward, um, you know, massive introvert. You would characterize yourself as an introvert, Stefan, yeah?
0: I would, yeah. I, I, we've talked about with um, going on, on Adderall for my ADD has helped to, to tip the scales more where I'd say I'm more 50-50, but I still need, naturally I'm, I'm an uh, introvert for sure. And then even if like, I am, I'm going out and like, being act, I can do it pretty well, but I still need that recharge time. Like I need
2: to go yeah, right uh, away. I think you and I were talking about like finding times to make up the fact that you have to go to the bathroom yeah. and then like going to a stall and just being like, okay, cool and then resetting yourself, I totally am that guy. But anyway, I get charged out of talking about online marketing, e-commerce. It really is kind of my hobby. Um, I I do, I'm fascinated with why people buy. I think that's probably like my life work is like what causes people to buy. So I'm enamored with copywriters they are able to do what they do. Um, So yeah, I just feel like with someone who also has ADD, I feel like a kid in a candy store because you can jump to all these different topics of like traffic or you know, conversion or copy or, you know, in my case, you know, mids or customer service There's so many different areas that are endlessly fascinating that you can jump into that make it really a fun place for me to, to be in. So I'm, I'm just super lucky, man. I just feel very, very blessed.
0: Yes. That's amazing. And it is such a, a cool story. And I feel like, um, I closed out my Facebook like live and all that. I mean, still on, still on Facebook live, but I don't have it open. Cause I'm like, from the internet standpoint, I don't want to drain bandwidth and, Disappear again, but um, for those watching on Facebook Live as well, hopefully a lot of people are, and a lot of people will see this replay. But um, like I feel like I'm really honored to have you because you have you're, you're such like I said such a nice and 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 humble guy. Like even in I was putting in our Justin stuff and talk copy Facebook group, and they're like, oh, I was talking to Scott Roke about like it was like boats or something, and I had no idea that it was like wooden pad like paddle boats. But I had no idea he was so successful. You're like, yeah, because like <laughs> you know, you keep it under the radar, and and but but part of that too, probably Scott. I mean, it's like after. 20 years in the industry and having had a lot of success it's like you start to realize, I would imagine like that. You're like, yeah, it is cool that you've accomplished those things, but it's like, you know, I think you do a good job of not letting numbers define you. Um, and I think is that something that you feel like early on, do, were you always that way or did you sort of learn that over time?
2: I think over time, I mean, in my thirties, when I was like hard charging, um, you know, we had these VC back companies, we were trying to make a billion bucks. Like I was very, um, I don't know. I was, was much more concerned about my impact and you never know, has that number like, oh, I want to get to 10 million bucks in revenue or net worth and then I'll retire or whatever. But I was much more like kind of that prototypical like Silicon Valley, you know, 80 hour week guy that was just trying to crush it and make all this money and stuff like that. And I think that, I don't know, maybe it's age or whatever, but over the years I've mellowed quite a bit. I'm more into, you know, my family and my kid and stuff like that. that, that has mellowed me quite a bit. I mean, I'm still Super competitive, and I see it as a game to be able to kind of like create these companies. But, um, but yeah, I think I've mellowed in terms of like needing to have a number or you know, needing to post a picture of my Ferrari or whatever. It's just not really my deal. I'm a pretty private person, kind of prefer that way. Um, but, but I'm still relatively competitive, but, but I take it, um, I slow down a little bit, you know what I mean? I'm in Sonoma, I've got chickens and some land, and gardening and and I still love what I do, but I'm not like, I don't need to like, there's not a lot left to prove for me in terms of like hitting these big numbers. Right. Um, I've hit, um, you know, over a hundred million dollars in revenue once I've hit, you know, I've created a bunch of these companies and, um, and it just doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really, it's just a number, right? It's not, I don't know. So.
0: No, that, <laughs> makes, that makes sense. A couple more questions and we will, we'll get to answering, uh, in the Q and A's as well. Um, but, well, one would be, I know you always talked about how with you and Chris, when you guys were partnered that um, I think it was that you played defense, right. And Chris played offense. And then Justin and I have kind of stolen that because I think it's the same way where Justin plays defense and I play offense with what we do. And I'm like the super optimistic, like everything's going to go amazing all the time. And Justin's Every, super like,
1: um, yeah, yeah. everything's
0: like the Lego movie song, like just a walking embodiment of it. And uh, you know, Justin's like, it's all going to shit uh, tomorrow um, right. Right. and but I'm curious about that with you guys and, 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 with, you know, either you can talk about native paths specific, uh, specifically, or, you know, maybe just in, in kind of generally when you approach things in business, why, I guess, why is it that you are more focused on defense and how does that actually like manifest itself? Um, you well,
1: know.
2: I, you know, I didn't, um, I would probably count myself as one of those that would disdain defense six years ago when I first contemplated it. Like I, I thought to myself like, Oh, CEO. And I've been a CEO a bunch of times. And, I have all these great ideas and I always say like I could smell money pretty good. And I was, I always had a team of people to kind of like build what I wanted to build. I had it in my head of like, this is what we're going to do. And when I met Chris, Chris um, amazingly beautiful, awesome man, also had this, this, this kind of like this uh, bull in a China shop approach. Like we're going to crush it. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And it occurred to me, I don't know when exactly, but if you have two people like this, hard charging, um, not only will it be a hard partnership because you guys you may wanna go in different directions, but um, you're gonna leave a big mess behind you. Um, and so um, I made the choice, I thought to myself, what What do I wanna do that I'm not good at? And it was those things, and I, it was the things that nobody really wants to do. And since then I've really fallen in love with that because I believe that's, if you wanna scale and sustain scale and make a ton of money I believe that defense is, is arguably way more important than offense. Mm. Um, but, I mean, I essentially had a dinner with Chris and said, Chris, what do you not want to do? Like, how can I keep you in your zone of genius? So your zone of genius is, you know, we started the Paleo Seeker. He was really big about paleo and he lived the life and he wanted to create an info product. But, okay, in that, in that idea, w- what are some of the things that you don't want to do? And he was very clear. He's like, I don't want to talk to people. I don't <laughs> want to talk to vendors. He's introverted like me. Are more inter. Well, I guess he would say he's introverted, but I don't deal with people well. I don't want to do vendors, taxes, insurance, uh, mids, um, customer service, like everything. And I kind of had to take a deep breath and be like, okay, like not my favorite topics in the world either. But realizing that I wanted to be successful, I'm like, I'm going to do all of that for you. I'm going to do that. And so I felt like I had, and what was cool about that is I put on kind of a learning mindset that I wasn't good at that stuff, but I wanted to learn. Um, And that kind of helped fuel me like this idea of keeping, uh, keep learning things. So, so it was really just, um, you know, we arrived at that just based on the idea that I knew two people that were hard charging are going to create a lot of messes behind you. And those messes are what will kill you. Those messes are what will kill a business. Mm. Um, and you see it right you see it all over the place guys at scale they crush it and then just like six months later they're gone or three months later they're gone and so i just didn't want to be one of those companies um so that's that's that began my love affair with playing defense Uh, but it's not my natural state which was good
0: (laughs) yeah it is good but that but it's interesting um and then again taking but I, i love that idea of um going to your business partner and saying that, right. What do you not like, what do you hate doing? Right. And then finding a way to be complimentary instead of, uh, being like, Hey, we're both going to do the same thing. Um, and then it makes perfect sense. I think that's for for Justin and myself of copy Starter and what we're doing, um, which has gone, you know, really well and like way better than I maybe would've even expected. And, um, the same thing there, I mean, Justin and I are radically different. Um, but I'm like, thank God. Now I feel like I had the, experience um, to recognize that that was an asset and a strength, but I feel like very fortunate that that was the case. Cause I think if I had been less experienced, I've been like, oh my God, this guy's way too different. Like this won't work. Um, but really you're like, oh no, that's an incredible asset. Um, like having, totally. you know, my opposite is like <laughs> the perfect setup, you know, assuming that the person is, you know, is, is smart and driven. You have, you know, to be an alignment of goals, of course. Right. It's like, we have the same you know, goal, but like, we're going to, I'm going to focus on getting us like doing this to get us here and and he's going to be over here. And and you and Chris have that same dynamic, it seems like.
2: Yeah. And I think that there is a natural disdain for the other side. Like, in other words, you know, affiliates have this natural disdain for the product owners because they're like, well, you know, if I own the product, then I could get all the commission. And the, the, the product owners are like, oh, these affiliates, all they do is they run traffic. And, you know, and the same type of dynamic occurs in companies of someone who say is the CEO versus the the back office stuff, Um, you know, and so um, I think it was really important for me to go through that process to get such a deep understanding and appreciation for all the little things that go with these businesses, right? Like there's so much support that happens underneath a company that does 50 million bucks that kind of goes under the radar that no one knows about. And that's the stuff that I really like because I don't necessarily like being the face of the company. Chris um, had a desire to be the CEO, which I'm like, be the CEO. That's awesome. I don't have, I don't have that bug in me that 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 needs uh, get, gets validation for any of that stuff. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was a good. Um, it is a good lesson um, that I think entrepreneurs need to learn is 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 looking looking at everything else other than just like what I would consider offense, which is like the copy or the DSL or, you know, the distribution, all that stuff. Obviously you need to have that stuff, but the back, the back office stuff is, is where I've, it's my current love affair. I should, I should, I would say. It keeps, cool. Yeah. Keeps yes. businesses alive.
0: It does. I mean, I've made that mistake where I scaled really fast. I mean, it's funny. Maybe I'd be curious to get your opinion on this. Cause I was really, even if you talked to me, two years ago, I would have always been talking about like, hockey sticks and like how into hockey sticking, like where right, that growth, like um, for those who don't know, I'm talking about where, you know, it's like, you're like here and then you just like, you go straight up. Right. Um, and then, in like the last, honestly, three months, like six months, I've finally been like, Oh, you know what? Like having hockey stick growth isn't actually always great. Like turns out if you don't have this firm foundation and like all the other things in place and you hockey stick, it's just like, like if you, if something breaks, when you're going like this, it's like, okay, you fix it and be kind of meander a little bit, you keep going up but saying breaks when you're in the middle of hockey sticking, it's like very hard to fix it. And the problems are amplified by 10. Um, totally. And that was a really, I mean, it's maybe it may super obvious, but it was like, damn, like that was a big realization. I recently have had um, cause to your point. Yeah. It's, it's like a lot can, can break as you're, as you're scaling and as you're growing.
2: Yeah. And that's when the FDA, the FTC, your mid shutdown. like, it's just, it's, it's really, it's the attorney general college. It's like, and I think that you almost have to go through that as a young man or young woman to like see that and to feel that. Like I, I could count on you know both hands friends who have been sued by the FTC, and you know they say it's one of the best experiences of their life, despite it sounding really horrible, and it is. Um, but I think it's a young man's game or a young woman's game to kind of like pursue that hockey stick approach, and then when you get smacked down and you realize you lost everything, I think that's when you take more of a longer term reasoned approach and say like, um, like hockey stick growth is possible and it's great. I mean, there's, there's God, you look at, I don't know, Brad, uh, Brad over at research. I mean, these types of things are, are possible, but, um, I became more concerned about like keeping your money, staying at a pro, trouble and, and building businesses that not just you, you, you spent all this time building and cranking away at, but then, you know, it's gone in, in, in a year or two years and all this work kind of like, where did it all go? So, um, yeah, I, yeah, so I'm, I'm just, I'm right there with you, man. I, I have such an appreciation for both sides. I mean, yeah. guys that can create the offer, um, but equally guys that can sustain it and keep it as a real business.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Let me ask one more question before we go into the Q and A stuff. I'd be curious to I me mean, over, you know, like 20 years, 20 plus years. Um, what is like one of the, and I'm sure there's, there's, there's countless, but um, what's like one of the biggest kind of mistakes you made with like one of your, you know, companies and, you know, kind of like what happened and what was like a learning experience from it? Um, I say countless, cause obviously like, that's like the secret, right? Everyone who has had success means they've had a ton of like failures and not mean failures, like, like that they're permanent failures, but setbacks um trials and, and things you've done wrong
2: there's so many dude we like <laughs> i have messed up so many times it, that, it's remarkable that that a lot of these businesses are still alive Despite, i mean when we went into the physical product space we turned transition and paleo secret into native path um we became kind of like a digital marketer that turned into a supplement company and i ordered nearly half million dollars worth of probiotic Based on um, a sales forecast that ultimately didn't come through, uh, you know, or or a a distribution channel that dried up. So it's like you're selling 500 bottles a day and you could forecast out, it takes 12 weeks to get the product. And anyway, I I ordered nearly half a million dollars worth of product. um, And then, literally, like right after the ink dried, like the sales channel went away. We were selling like five bottles. And so you're stuck with like, you know, whatever the number is, $300,000, $400,000 worth of inventory that you can't move. I mean, dude, that's one of, I could give you 50 just like this. Right. Um, You know, when we took money from a VC, we brought in a new management team, all these MBAs, that was problematic. Um, There are the times where you start to build a company to sell it and you have this like mythical buyer of the guy that's gonna buy it or the gal that's gonna buy it. So you start building your company to, to, to like satiate the desires of someone who might buy it. And that's a mistake. I mean, dude, I've made so many mistakes. I'm just, it's, I'm just shocked that I'm still even around in this space. Um, but that's the beauty of it is you can kind of make these mistakes and come back and, and, and keep fighting and not make them again. Um, and that's just, I think the beauty of just doing it for a long time is you see a lot of this stuff happen over 20 years. Um, you know, when to move into markets, when to get out of markets. Um, you've, I've seen, you know, the FTC come in and slash and burn all the acai, colon cleanse, resveratrol guys back in the day. Right. Um, I mean, it's so, yeah, dude, we could talk for hours about this, but I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, and I just learned, you know, I just hope that I don't make them again or I can teach people not to make them again. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're not fun.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's an awesome point. Cause I think that's the, the way i look at it i mean this is nothing revolutionary but it's like i don't mind making a mistake i just don't want to make it the same mistake twice right right um, that's, that's really right. it and i kind yep. of did it with the agency um so i've done it before i did do it and but then what i'm like was, all right well i'm not gonna make it a third time
2: what was your mistake with the agency
0: well remember like you know because i had um like red ox which i remember telling you about and i like, kind of being like this is the most brilliant model ever because i'm you know it's so oh, like this
2: right, right right
0: full service like i'm doing everything like you know you just give right. us money
2: to build then, a book for them yeah, yeah 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 yeah
0: and then realizing like okay like somebody's gonna pay me fifty thousand dollars to just write copy but i'm like no instead of that let me also build your funnel do the design and the dev help you with customer service get you like you know like your merchant accounts and then let me drive traffic as an affiliate network and the real <laughs> the real killer there was the affiliate <laughs> network because like then because i'm doing everything like there was no ownership for the person right it wasn't like um you know like like mike geary comes to you and it's like hey i'm gonna pay you fifty thousand dollars to write a letter and you're like okay cool you know you give them the letter they'll put it into production and it can make them millions of dollars and it's great um instead it was like people who it was like a biz op almost right and so you get right. these people. like i it
2: forget it like you, you it's like done for you i'll build you a multi-million dollar business for you
0: exactly and then so when you do that and they give you money and then it's like, even if the copy's good if like you're struggling to get traffic, right? It's like a okay, then they're pissed off at you. It's then it's your,
2: you, right? yeah. your fault.
0: Then if you do get them traffic, they have no idea how to actually manage the cash flow or the money, so That's then like fault. they're like yeah. they don't know if they're profitable or not. They're like all oh, that shit's happening, uh-huh. so then they can't pay the affiliates. So then like, you know, uh-huh. like I literally in the last it's pretty much at this point done, but it took like 2 years. I had to pay um I mean, I think I think it's okay for me to say I had to pay Daniel toe $240,000 over the last 60 days because of like affiliate set of like uh, our, our, people from that agency back in the day that never like basically um, paid uh-huh. their bills. And then we got stuck with them uh-huh. and you know, then I had to have that whole, like, I'm like, do I try and tell Daniel like, well, Hey, I got fucked. So you're getting fucked. But I was like, honestly, it's better to just, you know, pay it and, and your reputation is important and totally. whatever. Um, but uh, you know, I literally set the last of those three. I basically it was like, Hey, let me space out over 60 days. And Daniel was like. Fine. I think just happy to be actually getting his money. Um, but I literally set the last wire for that yesterday. And, um, so, you know, super frustrating. Cause then, I mean, literally that's just one example where there's legitimately like at least a million dollars that I ended up like kind of like eating for different reasons because of like the affiliate network and the model and like, so then I'm like looking at my, you know, your checking accounts so I've got, you know, like investments and all kinds of different shit. But so you're like, ah, I should have an extra million bucks here, but, but to your point, it still is like, um, I mean, A, I don't think I'm going to make the mistake a third time. So I feel pretty good about, mm-hmm. I, I think it hurt enough this time. Um, but then B, it's like, I don't know fuck I was going to say actually, I kind of lost my train of thought, but no, oh, no, 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 I'm glad I it think, happened kind of. Totally, you know you, mean? It's
2: yeah. like, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like, you know, your kid or something, you have to let your kid fall down. Like it's, you have to have it happen because if it, yeah, I, I totally agree, dude. Like, and, and it's, it's awesome that you're just that upfront about it, but yeah, I could, I could list, you know, all the different times. I mean, one of the things that it reminds me of is just like being singular focused. Like I always thought like I was smart enough to be like, you know, run these six different companies and, you know, be, Oh, how many companies do you have? I've got eight companies. And I'm like, at first I was envious of that. Like, Whoa, you've got eight companies. I'm like, then I'm like, you're an idiot, dude, because (laughs) like, that's so dumb because like, I don't know, like you're not, Elon Musk. I'm sorry. Like, it's just not like you gotta do one thing and do it exceedingly well because you know, if you're spread too thin or you're doing too many things, uh, it's in my experience, it's never going to work. Um, I had this experience at next internet. We, we had a kind of an incubation company where we raised 5 million bucks and started six different companies. And you know, one succeeded out of the six, but you end up spending all your time on the losers that, that right. don't make it. Well, you should just like cut their throats and move on. But yeah, man. I mean, um, I think you have to kind of walk that walk. And that's maybe what experience does is you get, you, you build up, you get smacked down and you just, like you said, you just hope you don't do it again. But yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. And being resilient too. I mean, cause I think the thing that um, the point I was going to make when I kind of zoned out for a second on it, but you'll blame the ADD, but um, was really just like, but once that happened, and even, you know, like like if you go back to these different things, like I've you know, I have my own hard luck stories and things, and it, so it's always just like, okay, I can let that define me or I can give up. And you you want to sometimes. Like when you get like I had oh, a venture totally. with um with somebody, I've talked about this before, where we were in C B D too early. They think I telling you about it a little bit, but then we ended up getting, you know, like two million bucks basically just yeah, like, you know, um that we never got. And like, you know, there's there's a moment to sit there and be like, Oh, fuck like I don't want like i I don't have the energy to go through this again, like this sucks like you're totally. trying to fight, you're like looking at legal stuff and um, but then it's like, okay, well, if I'm not gonna ever get to where I want to go if I just give up, like I mean, it's like you keep moving forward and um and every time you do that, like ultimately. Like yeah, you know, I'm in a way better place today than I was back then, and cool. like, um, so yeah. And that's where
2: I think that's where it's great to have a good partner, Stefan. Like honestly, like I remember just hearing you say that. You know, it, during the early years of Paleo Secret, when Chris and I were fumbling along, trying to figure out like you know digital products or info products or direct to consumer or the health space. Like there were so many times I was just like, Chris, this is just not gonna work, dude. Like you know, the first year, I think the first year we might've done like 400 grand of revenue. Um, but we just worked tirelessly, you know, the, the, to give birth to any idea or company just requires like tireless, you know, thankless work of just like, okay, I'm going to set up a new email address. I'm going like, to, it's just like, and, and I can't tell you that, you know, during those few lean years where you just want to quit. you just like, I can't do this. And that's where having a partner is so valuable because as I was coming down saying, we just must suck. We can't figure out how to be the next Mike Geary. Like, or why can't we break into this space? Chris would be like, we're going to do this. We're going to figure this out, keep going. And then conversely, you know, when Chris was down, I would lift him up. So that's, I really feel like a partnership, if done well, can really keep you in the game longer than you might keep yourself because you're going to experience very uncomfortable things, (laughs) And, and big failure along the way. And it's not for everybody. Some people just like, I'm done, I'm out. I can't do it. Um, so yeah, it's good.
0: No, yeah, that's that's awesome. And did um, you have
2: a partner? Did you have a partner that kept you in the game that like you said, like Stefan, don't give up or is that just, you're just going to stick with it.
0: It's been more me, but I've had a good support network. I mean, for me, a lot of it too, is I think like I always talk about the importance of like masterminds and you know, and then for me, like a mastermind is like, when you go and someone's like, you know, this one little like button, like hack that increased conversion. I literally shared one at our event. Cause we did like a checkout page, like changed the wording on our, like the checkout button and increased conversions by 20%. It's like, that's cool. I, I, that doesn't happen all the time, but it's like, a, I love those wins. Cause they're easy to do. You share them great, but like totally. that's valuable. But like, to me, the real value of it is again, it's like the relationships and networks, like the fact that you and I are, are friends, you're at my wedding and here you are doing this. Um, and, and really, so I think for me. Um, with my first health supplement company, I really felt like on an island, as a lot of entrepreneurs do. And then going to like a mastermind and realizing that there was like a community of other people who were going through similar things. And then totally,
1: you're um, not alone,
0: right? That was huge. Yeah,
2: no, I mean the mastermind in France. I mean, you were there, and I remember Jason Crispy at Straw House basically saying, you know, in front of a room of whatever 10 people, and these were people that are doing pretty well. Like, hey, if you guys are not doing video on Facebook, you're a bunch of idiots. I remember Chris and I going back that day and just like typing in like to our tech team, like get video on Facebook and you know, like, and, and oh my God, it worked. Holy crap. You're selling a ton. So yeah, I think it's, you're right. Like I think we have a very tight knit community of people that have kind of this abundance mindset where we can share stuff. And, and again, it's just, it comes down to little things that can just make the world a difference. I mean, or when we first started, we had, we didn't even know what an autoresponder was and, um, Tyler Bramlett, uh, God bless him, was like, dude, I'm going to write an autoresponder for you guys because you're, you're yeah. bringing 5,000 leads a day and you don't know what the hell you're doing. And we're like, thank <laughs> you. We didn't know what we're doing. And so f- Tyler, like, wrote us this whole thing and saved our butts, man. Like, so, yeah, it's sometimes it's like the little things like that come out of nowhere, Um that make the biggest difference. And so you're right. Like the, having a community of people that support you and love you and surround you, um, I think, um, keeps you in the game longer.
0: hundred percent. I completely agree. Um, but with that, I do want to go, I know we got about 16 questions in the Q and A now, so let's go through as many as we can here. So Ed, by the way, hi, I know you've been, I saw you sneezing a minute ago. God bless you. You know, thank that, you. Uh, I feel,
1: yeah. no, I got blessed. Didn't have to go to church.
0: How amazing is Um, and so the way this to work is Ed, like, yo, we'll have you kind of, uh, pick the people we're going to answer the questions for, give like a, a little summary of what they're asking. And then, uh, Scott will let those people come on. We'll unmute them, let them kind of ask their question, um, to kind of replicate the, uh, the call and radio show experience, which is just kind of fun. I like it. And, uh, and then plus we can be more interactive that way. Uh, and then you and I can, you know, try and provide any insights that we may have and, and. You know, we don't always have the answer, but like we can yep. at least share our thoughts on stuff.
2: <laughs>
1: cool. That's good too. So Scott, sit back, relax, enjoy the show. I got you.
2: But also uh, answer a lot of questions. And by the way, you've got like epic eyebrows, bro.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that.
2: Like appreciate Stefan me. has Stefan has good eyebrows, but your eyebrows are like just slightly better. I agree I'm, with I'm, that. Known
1: my, I'm known for my wiggly eyebrows.
2: <laughs> can you wiggle them or no?
1: Oh. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um... So I'm going to ask a question here from uh Dami. Um, but I do have a question for you afterwards for my personal self. Cool. So Dammy asks, I'm going to summarize it. We talked about this lots time stuff. Right. Uh, so basically he wants to know about the, the differences between copywriters that you hire and don't hire. So we're going to let Dammy come on. He's going to expand on his question and then we'll get your response. Uh, Stefan. Maybe us. Yeah, I'm co-host. For some reason, I'm not allowed to unmute Dami. Really?
0: What the F? Let me see if I can find, uh, I'll find Dami. Allow. will allow to talk. I wonder if it's like a new setting. I just hit, I'm hitting allow to talk. Try now. Any luck?
1: No.
0: That's bizarre. Let me try. Okay, answer live. And then try now? Nope. I wonder if it's a Zoom glitch or something. Here, I was so excited to. Uh,
1: I know it was, it was such a good question too.
0: Well, we can still answer, Danny. I'm sorry. Then I guess for now we'll we'll answer it. So go ahead and read this question, then. Sure. And then Scott and I will we'll
1: answer it. You Got it. As someone who has hired a lot of copywriters, what's the one thing you found that differentiates those that end up working with you for a long time and those you don't ever want to work with again?
2: Um, I can answer that, Stefan. I yeah. mean, for, for me, it's. Um, it sounds so basic, but are they easy to work with? Like, I maybe at my advanced age, right? I'm 50-something. But, like, <sighs> I pay particular attention to how easy it is to work with somebody. Um, and if there's a moment where it becomes difficult too early on, I run. Because I think that's just the bellwether for problems down the road. Like, I think a lot of copywriters will come in with their demands, and this is what I want, and I want 3% of gross, and... I want this big fee and blah blah blah, and and that is an immediate turnoff to me. Um, so I I think it's like those that deliver value first, and then you know maybe get paid later. But I think just ease of use. There are people that are just easy to work with that make me smile. That that it's just easy. You know, like I I'm, I'm raising a five year old boy. That's hard. They have demands. They they're they're hard to work with sometimes. So my I'm full up on difficult people um so if you're easy to work with if you're kind if you're um generous i care less about who you've written for i care less about your your credentials um so that's probably the i guess one way to think about it
0: yeah that's I think that's a great answer and um it's simple but it makes sense i mean i feel the same way if somebody's like a like a diva someone put Sam, sam novak said you know diva free zone um but like you know i completely agree with that um this is very rarely worth it like they talk about like in a sales organization it's like oh your best you know sales guy like or girl like you, you're you going to give them like uh more leeway and i think that's true to within reason but even there you're like you hear about all the time somebody who's like a really big asset to a company but they become like the 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 headache of having to like cater to them like it becomes it outweighs like the benefit that they're bringing to the organization and you're like all right like i just you know the, you cut them free um so yeah ed um i know or go ahead scott sorry
2: i was gonna say i mean yeah in a you know you never want to be key man dependent right like or key woman dependent um but you never want to have a single point of failure or a single person in your company hold the reins to the success or failure of your company so um eliminating key man dependency in the management team from a copy perspective is really important. So you're right. Uh, the divas, you know, in copy, I could think of a couple, but I won't name them. I just, man, I just, life's too short, dude. Like, I just want to, you know, make money, work with great people and go home and play with my kids. I don't, yeah, whatever Sam said, diva free zone is a, is a big one for me. Um, yeah. So.
0: Makes sense. Um, And I know you said you had a question. So we'll let you sneak that in there.
1: Awesome. So, Scott, I have a question for you. So, I uh, I'm launching my own course on Facebook compliance, actually launching today. And one thing that you said that stood out to me was that these people like hockey stick, and then after six months they go down. I've seen that quite a few times. And I want to know what are some of the common traits and uh, mistakes that people make that, like they hockey stick, they do great, but then they just totally go down afterwards. Like, how would you go? I- A lot of
2: times people think that a product is a company. Mm. So, like, um, you know, Paleo Secret is a product, but it's not a company. It's a product within a, you know, we had to rebrand ourselves as a health and wellness brand because so we could tackle a multitude of different topics. So, a lot of times people will have an idea that's a single product and think that's a company. And at some point, you know, as Facebook does its ups and downs, compliance may not be an issue. So, I would encourage you to think about, like the broader picture in terms of like, are you an education organization that's teaching people marketing techniques that can transform or that can transcend Facebook and go into different areas like LinkedIn or Instagram or Pinterest or whatever. So I think that that would be one thing to think about is, is think about, um, you know, creating an organization that, that allows you to move in different directions. With Native Path, it allowed us to sell supplements, uh, jump into keto space, uh, still sell paleo. We were gonna like, hey, we're gonna attack the natural health and wellness space rather than like the paleo secret. So I would encourage you to think about like a broader picture of like, are you here to educate people? And could it be more than Facebook at some point? Could you be compliance with you know, any number of topics? Does that make sense or?
1: Totally, yeah. And that's actually something I've also thought about. It's just, I know that right now, Facebook's like a super, super hot topic. That's something that people want to know about. There's a lot of mystique around, um, but I know that like six, twelve months from now, YouTube is going to crack down just as hard on compliance. Uh, that's my gut instinct and prediction. So like, I'm like right now I'm the Facebook compliance guy, but I have it in mind to be compliance across. Yeah, all, you should be platform.
2: like the compliance company, and we deal with compliance in. You know, I was talking to a fantastic marketer yesterday, and she, I shocked me, but she had said that. You know, she's seventy percent native now. She used to be hundred percent Facebook, and Facebook's been so difficult to work with that she's gone. You know, completely all native, and um, and that's going to happen over time. But yeah, rather than be pegged to a particular distribution channel like Facebook, be the compliance guy, compliance, and you, the compliance can come in in different forms too. Like, how do you make sure the insurance? And well, I'm saying and deal with topics like compliance in different ways.
1: Yeah, so even like FTC, FDA as well?
2: Dude, it's people will pay a lot of money for that stuff. A lot of money to keep you out of the hairs of the FTC.
1: Yeah, that's true. And the, the great thing about Facebook is like, face even though I don't know all the rules of FDA and FTC, the rules of Facebook, like when you write Facebook compliant copy, the way that I do it, it gets you pretty close to FTC, FDA compliance actually, because you're not right, making big right. claims, you're not calling out diseases, like you can't even name the disease. Um, so it's like, very similar actually.
2: But, yeah, like uh, Emily, who I interviewed yesterday, was saying just the word you in in is problematic in Facebook. Have you heard that, or?
1: Uh, that's, that's uh, I mean, people say that, I don't really believe it. Is that not true? Um, it so here's the thing right it's one of those things where it's like if you just want like a quick fix you don't really give a shit about like why it happens yeah jazz don't get me started
2: Uh, (laughs) take it easy easy. hold it hold it keep
1: the eyebrows on the head they're
2: starting to twitch a
1: little bit (laughs) (laughs) so basically if the reason why most people have a problem with the word "you" on Facebook is because, as marketers, we tie it either to like a, a big claim. It's like, oh, I'm going to show you how to lose like X amount of pounds in a certain amount of days or time frame. Right? You can't see that on Facebook. Or they tie it to, are you sick and tired of being a fat, lazy slob that no one likes? Right? I mean, obviously, it's exaggeration, but Same. that's most of the time we use the word "you," anchored to a benefit or a pain point, which Facebook hates so just to make it easier people will just say oh just remove the word you altogether, and then you can just avoid that or like that's why people say to remove the word you like you see the word i use the word you all the time in my facebook compliant copy i just do it smart
2: why are you yelling at me right now i don't understand
1: <laughs> i'm very passionate
2: about this topic that's why okay no yeah, yeah, I, it, you, you should say. be the compliance guy i mean you, and you can ta- you can do compliance certifications you can i mean there's just a million ways you can go with compliance but it is a big deal man it really it is the difference between you keeping your money and losing it all. I mean, I can't tell you, like I mentioned earlier about FTC or even FDA stuff. I mean, I could count on my, well, at least five guys I know that have given everything away to the FTC. <laughs> They're like, what was your revenue last year? Oh, it was 5 million bucks. Okay. We'll take that. Yeah. That was my revenue. It wasn't my, pr- yeah, we'll take that. So like, it's a big topic, dude. And you don't think about it until it's too late. Yeah. And so this is, yeah. Part of this defense thing that I talk about, like, um, is having all that stuff buttoned up because it, it's really unsexy. People don't want to talk about it. They want to talk about like, Oh, my DSL is crushing it, bro. But like, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that will make sure you can keep your money. So you should be the compliance guy, but just to take it broader than Facebook. That's what I would do. I don't know.
1: I love that. Thank you so much, Scott. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Um, by the way, Ed, is your course, is
0: the link live? Is it like live, live the compliance course? Almost. Okay. Well let me know. We can put in the show notes uh for when we put stuff on YouTube. Dude,
1: that would be amazing. Thank you yes. so much. hundred percent
0: cool.
1: Uh cool. Who who we got, we got next? Mark Mark Lamont says, as a business owner, what's the best way a copywriter has approached you directly for a chance to work together? There
0: we go. Oh nice. Wait, wait, we got Mark on this one. We were able to have uh Christopher's and Dammy just got screwed. But what's up, Mark? How are you doing?
1: Oh well, good thanks. How are you?
0: Good. Uh, good man. Um so in that case, I know uh, I kind of read the question, but you're, you're curious about from for, for Scott as far as when a copywriter has approached, you know, him trying to work with him. Like, what was sort of the best? What are some of the best approaches you've seen, or how are they? You know, what made them successful, right?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'm kind of just kind of starting out, trying to branch out on my own as a freelancer. So, it was I think kind of, like an introvert, I, so. I, I think it's about, and this is like
2: so cliche or what? Whatever. I mean, but. I think if you can add value first before putting your hand out for cash, that's a huge one. Like I know a lot of copywriters have written, like email copy for us and submitted it to us like, Hey, I've been through your AR series. Can you try this? I've written the first six for you. Would you see if it beats your control? Like that would definitely get people's attention, right? Like, not like, Hey, um, I'm a copywriter. My fee is 25,000 bucks and I'll write you new stuff. And if it doesn't work, well, sorry about that. Like, Um, you know, like, so I think it's, you know, if you could, if you could add value first by maybe, maybe pointing some things out, like, Hey, I noticed on your landing page, you guys aren't doing an offer bump. Um, and, and I've written an offer bump for you based on what you're, you know, that kind of stuff like is, would really get people's attention when you can add value like that, because I think it creates that, um, that dynamic. Like I gave you something, it's an ethical bribe, right? Like I gave you something, now I expect something in return. So that would be a, a big one, I think. Um, and it's, it's, it's a risk on your side cause it's your time and effort. But if you're just getting started and you want to make a splash, um, add value first before taking a paycheck.
0: That um, I love hearing that cause that's something I, I preach as well. And even that, um, the well, like the grow CNBC article thing I got, I got published today. That was like a lot of what I was advising. Um, but, so I love hearing from you. Cause I know it does work. I mean, I did a thing on the Justin and seven Talk copy group where I was like, Hey, like, has this worked for anybody? And a lot of people were like, yeah, it's worked. It's not gonna work every time. Right. You get like, you're busy. So you get, you know, people sending you emails to do for free. It doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have like the bandwidth to like take them and use them right away, especially if they don't follow up. Um, Mark, I'm gonna ask a follow up question for you to Scott on following up. When somebody follows up with you, Scott and says, Hey, like, you know, I sent you guys these emails. Have you had a chance to look? Um, do you ever get like annoyed that they're following up or are you like, Oh, like kind of like, or is there a right way and a wrong way to follow up? let me me phrase it that way.
2: Well, I'm, I'm less annoyed if they've put their best foot forward and taken their time out of their day to create something of value, a potential value to me. Um, and depending on, you know, the organization, how quickly can I get it implemented? I remember Stefan at your event in Vegas, I was just, I sat there mesmerized at the V shred guys. Uh, talking about how they could take copy and the next day they were getting traffic on it and like in two days they had a control. I was just like, like mind blown. Like the, the, the speed at which, with which they could implement that stuff was just astounding to me. But no, I'm never annoyed. I mean, um, there's a lot of annoyances out there. And, and again, it's, are you an easy person to work with? Do you have realistic expectations? Like if you email me five times a day, like where's the copy live? Fourth or fifth time I'm gonna probably get pretty annoyed with you and that then you put you in that bucket of like difficult Person to work with even though that, that may not be the intention at all but um, I mean, I think you just have to approach it delicately and and realize that you know Your copy may not get into the queue for some period of time um, Because there's a gajillion things going on um, yeah. So I don't know. Are you easy to work with? Are you cool? That goes pretty far in my book.
0: Cool. Mark, is that helpful?
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yes to all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so I guess one thing is, is it best to go directly to yourself, like as the top of the company, or would it be better to, to, to try and look for somebody at a lower level who would, who would be more likely to kind of take action? Or how do no. you, what are your thoughts on that? It's, it's. I think it's
2: better to go down than up. Um, you know, like if you're the business owner, you can kind of get things pushed through depending on if you really like someone, you can kind of like move everything out of the way to kind of slot them in. It's always at, it's, it's always better to go top down than bottom up. Um, but then, you know, it might be more difficult to go top down if you, you know, so I don't know. It's hard to say exactly.
1: I would, I would push
2: for
0: top. I would push from top down though. I mean, when, when possible, because to your point, like, you know, it's like, how many times anyone who's ever been in sales ever? It's like you get rejected, quote unquote, but then you get that you're the right person and then it like immediately gets pushed through. You know what I mean? Um
2: totally, totally totally.
0: So it's better to go higher. It's a pet peeve of mine. I had a um we had this recently in the you know supplement company that I'm like partnered in and like where we were looking at like another like kind of um like processing CRM solution type thing, and you know, I was like, hey, um somebody hit me up and they're like, oh yeah, like I know the owner of like this like company, like my friend like stayed at his like chateau in the Swiss Alps or blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, like, cause of course some European, all these European, like, uh, processing people just have chateaus in the Swiss Alps apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, it was like, oh, I can you know, direct you direct, like I can connect you directly to the owner. And then I shared that with like the person and this company and they're like, well, no, I'm already talking to like a rep. So it's fine. And I'm like, dude, no, like the rep <laughs> is like here, like the owner is here, like you go straight to the owner, That's the owner can move mounds for you. The reps like, let me put up the chain of command and hope that like, you know, it all works out. So, you know, but, but I see, I've seen this a lot of times actually where people, maybe it's cause of, it's like a fear intimidation, like talking with the owner seems scary or whatever, but it's like, when you can talk to the owner of a company, like I'd say pretty much always talk to the
2: owner of the company, you know? Right. And I think the other point there is also like talk their language. Like what gets my attention is if I can attach a dollar amount to the idea. Like, you know, at Native Path, we were selling anywhere between 1,000 to 1,500 bottles a day of collagen. And so it's a question of, like, what problems do you want to tackle? And so um, I had a manufacturer say, look, I could probably shave off $3 a jar of collagen, um, and I could also decrease your shipping costs, and um, the fulfillment costs would go down. And so you can quickly do the math and say, well, God, if I can save 4 bucks a, a, a jar of collagen, I'm selling 1500 units a day. That's $6,000 a day. That's 1800 or $180,000 a month. That gets people's attention. Yeah. Like, so if you can, if you can describe the impact of your solution in a dollar amount or a cost savings, I think that's what would get my attention is, um, those little wins where it's like, if I can increase your, whatever, your take rate on upsell one by 10%, I'm going to surmise that you're doing this volume. It would need an, an additional, um, you know, uh, whatever, hundred grand a month for you, that kind of stuff gets people's attention. So talk, talk in language that, that is likely to get their attention. Yeah. Uh, a basic one, I suppose.
0: No, I love that. No, it's not that basic. I, I people are putting in the chat, but I say, like, do the math. Like I talk about in the context of when you're closing a client or talking about like, like when I charge $50,000, my whole thing is like, okay, well like, yeah, like I'm 50,000. There's writers who are, way cheaper than me. Like, why would you pay me $50,000? It's like, all right, well, first of all, you know, what are you kind of hoping that this new offer is going to gross? And, you know, is it fair to say you want to gross at least a million dollars? Right. And they're like, yeah, I mean, at least a million, like, all right, cool. And is it fair to say that like your, you know, your profit margin on that's going to be around like 20% and it's almost always like, yeah. Or, or usually it's like, no, it's going to be higher. And you're like, all right, cool. Let's say 20%. Like, so if you gross a million dollars at a 20% profit margin, that's $200,000. You paid me $50,000. That's a four X ROI on your investment. Um, that's pretty good. And then you're like, but realistically, do you really want to do a million or $10 million? So, like, well, I think you could do $10 million. Like, all right, cool. Yeah, it makes sense. 20% margin. That's $2 million. You're paying me $50,000 for the chance at a 40 X ROI. If you go to like, if you could put a dollar in the stock market and get $40 back, you would, you know, you would, you would mortgage your house and everything to, you know, to put all your money in the stock market, if it was a sure thing. And it's like, I'm not like, you know, am I, is it guaranteed that I'm going to give you the a home run like, offer like, no, but if you look at my track record, my experience, like when you hire me, you have a way higher probability. Um, than when you hire somebody else who doesn't kind of know what they're doing. And so, um, but the thing I've, so I've taught that to others and I think it's really valuable because like, you know, it, it really helps with like that, that pitch, but then, but the thing is you can, you can still do that with like a lower level client too. you charge, you know, um, like $5,000 or even $500 and the guy's trying to, or, or woman's trying to gross like $10,000. It's like, you know, just doing that math and, and kind of what you just said, um, Scott, like, I mean, it's cool hearing it from the business owner's perspective, but I, I, it makes sense. Right. Cause then you're not thinking about like me, the freelancer as a, like a liability or as like, you know, sort of an expense. You're looking at me as like an investment or like an opportunity, an investment opportunity that can yield you an ROI. And it's a total reframe. Um, but a lot of freelancers still will look at themselves as this expense and then they come from like, like, Oh God, I hope you give me money. And it's like, you know, the guy who's like on a date and like, Oh, I hope she'll kiss me. you know what I mean? It's like, you know, um, you got to kind of, yeah, I don't know. So.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I admittedly, Stefan, I had this very love hate relationship with copywriters. Right. Um, I'm, I'm, are there copywriters that are willing to invest? Like, let's say it's 50 grand. Are there, are there ones that are willing to like invest, like say, put that 50 grand in escrow and yeah. say like, if it hits, you get it. If it doesn't hit, you get zero.
0: I've, I've done that before, um, with, with mixed results, to be fair. Um, but I think that's a cool idea. I mean, you have to trust the client obviously. Um, but I mean, what I'll do, I mean, so I just, you know, I, uh, Ed, Ed, and Mike Geary just hired me to do two things and I was like, I'm not going to do any more copy projects, but I, I've never worked with them before. I think it'll be fun. And like, they were super you know easygoing and, and I didn't even, ha- they didn't even ask me to do this, but I told them, I'm like, look, guys, like, um, yeah, by the way, like, I'm going to, if it doesn't hit the metrics, there's it, two controls they have. And I was like, if it doesn't beat your controls, like I'm like, you have my word. I'll, I'll, I'll put in writing right here. Like I'll work with you guys to optimize the copy until it at least beats your controls. Cause like, I don't think the controls are that great. And I think, but I'm like, I'm like you, you know, I put it in like the invoice and like, I'm like, I'll put in a contract, whatever you want. Yeah, you know?
2: It's a no brainer, right? Like you right. would, you would do that all day long. That's the thing is if you eliminate the risk for the business owner somehow, or make it like this no lose proposition where it's, yeah that would get people's attention we're yeah. always worried about like you know you spend twenty five thousand bucks with somebody and like you just can't beat the control they're like well eh, sorry bro like we tried and you're like okay next like it's yeah. yeah So i don't know that's that's cool
0: yeah awesome man cool um so mark hopefully that that helped uh and uh ed let's let's go ahead and, and go through some more questions here
1: let's do it baby so we got mr mark oh there's two of them we got Mr. Marcus Ortiz asking about uh, things to look in a business idea if uh, it has good potential to scale.
0: Cool. What's up, Marcus? How you doing? You there, buddy? Okay. Oh, I see him. Double, double, Marcus. Yeah. Maybe cause he was uh, great. There double. you are.
1: Got uh, 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 oh. it. Can you hear me? My now? Voice. There we go. Getting better.
0: Try again. Marcus, go and talk. All right, Marcus, we love you, but unfortunately,
1: time on now.
0: Unfortunately, we have got connectivity issues, Marcus. So,
1: <laughs> um, uh, yes, I'm here. Oh, there we, go. there we go. I uh, okay. Yes. Just my question was, what are the things? it's it's still kind of out, Marcus. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna,
0: can you? I'm gonna mute Marcus. I'm sorry, Marcus, but it's kind of out. So. Um, um I are, want to read that
1: question. So what are the things you look for in a business idea, offer, et cetera, to see if it has potential to scale big and make big money?
2: Uh, I just pick big markets. Like, um, you know, like when we jumped into the health and wellness space, we knew that a large majority of Americans were fat and overweight and obese and spent a ton of money to buy products like this. So I definitely want to take a big market first that I know people are willing to spend a lot of money in as kind of like a first, you know, first one to think about um, I think about like if you can build an unfair advantages or you have some advantage that over um, you know over a market that that, that maybe some don't have um, you know but yeah I would I would just pick a big market like for us health and wellness and it was also personal as well I mean Chris was really a big believer in paleo and keto so you know during the times when things weren't working it kept him kind of motivated to kind of or a bigger pro, you know a, a bigger problem to solve we want to help hundred thousand or 500,000 women, you know, uh, regain their, their sense of uh, pride, you know, wh- whatever it is, but I pick big markets first and then just figure out like, can I build, uh, can I pick a, a very small segment of that big market and, and make a business out of it? So I would encourage you to think, think in terms of like, where is, where's the money flowing? Where are people readily and willing to spend money on certain products or ideas or topics?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a great answer. Um, and hopefully Marcus helped you too. I know you're in a place of bad reception, but glad uh, we were able to answer it.
1: Beautiful. Um, next up yeah. we have Molly Levitt and she wants to know about upcoming trends the next five or years of internet marketing. Hey Molly. Hey, how's Thanks it going? Thanks for taking my question and I appreciate that. Um, Got yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for all this information. It's really super. Um, I am brand new. And, um, I just wanted to check in and see if you had any thoughts about trends,
2: man. Um, not so much trends, but I mean, I am, I am super bullish on however you want to define it. E-commerce, internet marketing, um, you know, however you want to define the space that we're in. I am so bullish because what I know to be true is that there are just you know, N number of new places to promote your product, whether it's TikTok, whether it's, you know, um, Emily yesterday says she was crushing it on native networks. But what what I know to be true is there there are going to be continually new places to, to market your product, which is super cool. And just the rate at which the tools available to us as marketers just seem to get seemingly to get better and better and better and better. Like, I mean, I'm enamored with, you know, SMS cart abandons. I'm enamored with the idea of sending physical mail out to people. I mean, so, so we, we do live in a world, a marketing world where we are just like new marketing ways to reach customers is, is happening all the time, different ways to engage them, whether it's over email, whether it's direct mail, whether it's physical location. So, um, I don't know that there's trends so much, it's just, but we have a very quickly growing, exciting, dynamic space to work within. And it just opens up huge opportunities for people that can see that stuff and leverage it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, health and wellness is always a big trend. Um, you know, financial crisis, I'm sure the preppers are going, preppers are going crazy right now with, with what's happening with pandemic stuff. So I think if you're open and like listening like, to the, what's happening in the world, you can you can do particularly well if you keep both ears open so welcome to the space molly like it's really great to have you and it's a it's, a, it's you'll find really cool people here that are doing really interesting things and yeah so oh yeah
1: I- for sure i gr- i joined this really great mastermind so i'm really excited what's it called <laughs> excited about that but yeah, yeah thank you for that i appreciate your thoughts on it
0: awesome it's been,
1: been great thanks
0: thanks molly sure. thank um you. So, quickly, yeah, well, quickly. Well, I want to get to more questions, but, um, I would say it was interesting. I was talking with um, my wife, Laura and her, her cousin, who's a doctor, like he's a, um, like an ER doctor. Met and met him it's, at the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. You met him. Yeah. he co-officiated Paul. So he's out here in Vegas. Cause they're getting, they're getting married, um, on October 1st and, uh, Sedona they're doing, they're originally gonna do a whole elaborate wedding. Now they're kind of eloping, but yeah, his bachelor party, his wife comes in or his fiance comes in today. And, and so we've seen him a lot. Um, but they're talking about TikTok because he's made a couple of videos on TikTok that have just gone like you know, million and a half views, two million views, and it's like him wow. just like not knowing what he's doing. And like, one thing there, and I don't have TikTok at all currently, but um, like on my phone, but but it was like Laura and him were both talking about how it's like the same way when you look at like Instagram and you're like, oh, I wish I'd gone on Instagram five years earlier or right. like YouTube or whatever it is, it's like they're like, that's happening right now on TikTok, it's so, like, why would you not? at least explore and play with TikTok, And then TikTok's not, you know, that will get supplanted by something else, but it's like, totally. I, I get like, as I get older, I mean, I'm really just getting active on Instagram in the last like month or two. Cause I have an executive assistant who's like posting stuff for me, you know? Um, I mean, we talk about what she's going to post and, but like, um, but I'm like, you know, it's so stupid. I was just so like resistant to Instagram for like a long time. Cause I'm like, well, I'm like, i become curmudgeoning in my old age, you know? And it's like, I don't know why totally. it's like, I gotta stop doing that.
2: No, it's, I think it's, you know what it is, dude, like a deep fear of mine is not being relevant in the space Yeah. because the rate at which this stuff happened, you know, like, well, back in 2001, like nobody cares. Nobody cares about 2001, bro. Like, well, I created this company. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yeah. So like, do you remember NetBlue? No, no, nobody does. Um, and so I think part of what keeps me active in this space is really just, I'm fear driven that I don't Mm want to be left behind because, um, I feel like it's easy to the older you get, you know, you have a different interest. I'm going to go gardening or chickens or whatever I want to do. It's easier to kind of lose focus because the rate at which this stuff is happening is so quick um, that I always want to keep up to date with like, you know, what's the latest way to market to somebody um, or the latest channel, like you said, TikTok or the latest service. So um, I'm desperate to stay ahead of the curve or at least stay with the curve. I don't want to be like one of those guys that's like, you know, like you guys remember my space, like, yeah, that was great. Like <laughs> nobody cares, dude. So, um, that's a good motivator to, to stay relevant in the space and just like continually be involved. So yeah, yeah. I, yep.
0: Totally agree. Totally agree. But I think that's a good, healthy motivator really in a way it's a healthy fear, um, yeah, for it's sure. Valuable. Um, cool. Ed. let's do some more questions. I want to get to as many as we can. So yes, what do we got next?
1: Next we got Luffy he wants to know, uh, top three tips for somebody who wants to start a business.
0: Or their own offer or business. Oh, sorry, yeah, you're letting Luffy ask, like I asked you to do. Luffy, what's up, buddy?
1: Hey, hi Stefan. Hi em. hi Scott. Hey um, Yeah, so I guess that's just a question. Like that there, there isn't isn't really like a genesis of the question. Just wondering like based on your experience, like what are the top three advice or tips that you have for someone who's looking at becoming an offer owner or starting their own business?
2: Well, I think, I think first off, like think of a space that you want to be in long term, like, um, you know, so something that, that, that you generally get pleasure out of being in. So if it's like for us, it was a health and wellness space. Like it just felt good to know that we were actually changing people's diet and making them healthier. So like um, that would be the first thing. Like, you know, don't run into a space where it's like, oh, I'm going to arbitrage, you know. Um, I don't know, porn sites or something and it sounds good, but like you ultimately don't want to tell your friends about it, but like, you know, so, so pick a space that you can see yourself being in for 10 years. Um, next, um, you know, learn how the game is played. Like learn, if you see an ad, click through in that ad and try to figure out, reverse engineer, like, what is it, what, what is their mousetrap to, to create cash flow um and then number three is just be willing to kind of um copy what works um don't there's no there's very little original ideas in this space so pick a space you love um reverse engineer who you want to be like and you can see that and then um the third one would be copy them and be willing to kind of like continually iterate and make changes until you get there um it's you know for some people it it seems like an overnight success uh it's pretty rare but normally you know, you're gonna stick at it for a long time uh, to, to finally like eke out some semblance of, of success. So be willing to kind of like stay for the long run because more often I think a lot of how this stuff is taught like business building like, hey, run your own business, it's easy, come do it in three months. No, it's not. It's, it's like never how it works. It's just like long hours of like thankless, <laughs> hopeless work that when applied over time, create something beautiful. Um, so I don't know if that helps, but I hope it, hope it does.
1: Okay. good. um, uh, maybe just a follow up question. So how do you get clarity on like what you actually enjoy in like the next 10 years? Cause that's like a really long time for you to commit to something.
2: I don't know. Like what, what genuinely brings you joy? Um, I mean, you know, it could be a hobby that you have, it could be websites that you go to, it could be any number of things. I, I, I guess that's really a personal question for you, you know, like, um, Like I said, for me, the bug that I had in me was like, why do people buy stuff? And so that is the itch that I kind of like continually want to scratch. And so, um, and then, you know, we got further applied to the health and wellness space. Like Chris and I were new in the health and wellness space six years ago. Prior to that, we were like doing lead gen and and CPA deals for Columbia house, Netflix and these kind of guys. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a personal question, man. Like, what do you love to do? And can you leverage that into a business? Um. Hopefully you can.
1: Cool. Okay. Got it. Thanks.
0: Awesome. Thank you Luffy, for, uh, for that question. My friend, question. Um,
1: thanks. Yeah.
0: Ed, let's keep it rolling. Who we got next.
1: Dude, I'm, I'm all ready to go. Manuela says, Stefan, uh, you mentioned your emails of some coppers. Uh, hold on. Let me summarize it. <laughs> it's, it's hard to summarize. Cause it's quite long. I know. Um, Oh my god! You can just be like,
0: oh, there's a question about copywriting versus content writing, or whatever." Okay, you can just okay,
1: okay. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Copywriting versus content writing. There we go. Is that
0: the one that I saw? Where I think was the many. Oh, she. There's one where she said that she said I won't be able to ex, uh, ex, kind of expand because of terrible weather. So I think I don't think she's gonna be able to actually. All right, I will. In
1: that case, absolutely. you can actually read it, Ed. Oh my gosh! Okay, Stephanie, you mentioned in your email uh, that some copywriters mixed up the content concept of content writing and copywriting is it totally impossible to mix both ideas together uh, yeah. to, to produce better results? Another question. There must be a place for worker bees in every industry. Oh my gosh, people keep liking this. Oh my God. It's moving up and down. Uh, so how are entrepreneurs this day affecting the place of such people in the industry negatively or positively?
0: Cool. So yeah, I'll, I'll tackle those. So um, I actually said uh, creative writing versus copywriting. Uh, and there, there is a difference between content writing and copywriting too. Um, but I meant more like, like you can tell people who are good at creative writing who are like, oh, wow, I can get paid to write and be a copywriter, which I was kind of that way. Um, but you're still following a very Set structure as a copywriter when you write like your headlines and your, you know, if it's like a long form copy, you're writing your lead and the different pieces or even an ad. So it's like you still have to like answer the question right away of like what's in it for the prospect or the viewer. Like, why are they, why should they give you their attention? But attention is a currency. I think it's like Ty Lopez say that. If he does, then I I just quoted Ty Lopez, which you know, I'm, I think Ty Lopez is actually a pretty smart marketer. So I'm fine with that. But, um, uh, or maybe it was Dan Locke who said that. I don't know. But, um, Either way, uh, like attention is a currency, right? And if somebody, they have very like a limited amount, a finite amount, and they choose are very picky about where they're gonna spend it. So you need to, um, you, you still have to capture their attention. What's in it for them? What are the promises, uh, relating, building rapport, which you're doing through sort of calling out their pain points and, you know, kind of like showing empathy towards those, and then like really, um, creating curiosity and intrigue around the fact that you're going to help them to solve their problem in a unique way that nobody else has ever helped them before. And that's to be different. And so, you know, that's kind of copywriting 101, so to speak. Uh, but then at the same time with the creative writer, like, so you can do have a story right about like a dramatic moment in somebody's life. That was a turning point. So cool. But uh, the problem, with, I see creative writers come in and they sort of just like, you know, it's like the cigarette burn to the dying ember as they pace across mm. the room. Damn it she was late again it's like you yeah, know it's like the start of some like weird like noir novel and you're like that's not necessarily like that's not copy like you're just doing a creative you're, you, someone just paid you to write creative writing and like it's cool but i'm gonna convert that good i just swallowed
2: <laughs> not yeah, but dying. what happened to that person after the cigarette went out now i'm curious
0: yeah so shit maybe i'm wrong um <clears throat> i do have a hairball okay i'm back i'm back <laughs> um but yeah and then so but with content writing specifically I might be i might be dying so let's see um, you know, like, yeah, you, you, even in content, like a blog or article content like that, yeah, I'd still have a good headline, have punchy subheaders, write right. in an engaging, entertaining way. Um, so I think that stuff can still like apply to, uh, you know, copying content can totally content ranking can, can go hand in hand. Um, but more so creative writing was, was the point. And then I'm going to drink another sip of this waterloo. So I, I can last the, you know, final 15 minutes or whatever. But, um, what was the part two of that question, Ed?
1: Uh, there's, we'll at you. You know, there's, there's busy bees in every industry. How does that affect us as entrepreneurs? I'm not really sure what that means actually.
0: I mean, well, one thing I, t- I talked about how I did like a YouTube video kind of about that, how I have a friend who's, um, whose dad had like once told him like, oh, the world needs worker bees too. And the connotation being that, um, you know, it's like, not everyone's going to be like a rocket scientist surgeon entrepreneur or whatever. And like that, if everybody was, then the economy would break down and stuff. And I made a video about how there's lots of rich people who are also worker bees, like someone who just goes in this really traditional path and never tries to like kind of do anything outside themselves. They sort of do everything they think they're supposed to do. And they get to like a mid-level or high level position as like, you know, in like a company, but they're like, you know, so worried about where their kids are going to go to college and do they go to the right school? And they're just so, um, they're just sort of a cog in the machine too. Uh, and how, like, you know, I think my goal in life is to not be a cog in the machine, to be outside the machine as much as I can, um, you know, kind of uh, like having that freedom, um, you know, with what we do, you know, I think a lot of what I do is as, as when I teach and mentor and whether it's free content, like shows like this, um, masterminds of courses, all these things is like how to like, you know, get out of the machine, right. That's a huge part of what I'm trying to help people to do. Um, and it's like, I want to help as many people as possible to do that. If, if everybody does that, like, you know, does that mean? does everything break down? Sure. But am I going to ever reach everybody? No, there's always going to be a lot of people who have, you know, the mi- mindset issues and, and challenges and there, there are, are some people just like being the machine. And if you just like, like being the machine, that's fine too. So, um, my goal as an entrepreneur is to help you out of the machine as much as possible, but I know it's not realistic to think that everybody is going to ever exit the machine.
2: Yeah. And I think also it's fair to say that machine is great for some people. Like yeah. I mean, the world needs, I mean, you can still be have an amazing, exciting life and be part of a machine that would take you out of a normal, you know, desk job that you know sits in you know uh, an office all day long. So everybody's not meant to be an entrepreneur because there are just a million plates that you have to spin at any one time, hoping that you know this plate doesn't fall down. So that being said, there there is a there is a place for people that don't want to be necessarily the guy responsible or gal responsible for holding up all the plates, but can be in the machine and helping holding up, holding up the, the plates and still have a fantastic and amazing run in this space.
0: A hundred percent. That's a great point, Scott. Yeah. For me. And I should clarify it. Cause like for me, it's like the people who like know that they're in the machine and don't want to be in the machine, but don't know how to get out of it. That's, that's for me. Like I get motivation and, and I get fulfillment from, from that aspect but again, I'm not evangelical of like going around yelling at everybody like you're in yeah. the machine, get on the machine. It's like you know, like lots of I have plenty of friends who who you know, to your point, are pretty happy in life and they're like part of the machine and they you know make like get enough money and 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 it's like that's great. I'm not trying to take them and be like, why don't you go Matrix. you know become a freelancer or an entrepreneur? It's like no, they should just totally not do that. It would be it would fuck up their life.
2: You know, who's guy, who's the guy in the Matrix with the yellow or the green pill or, or the blue pill? Yeah, like
0: Morpheus or whatever. Or?
2: No. You're yeah. like the Morpheus. Yeah. Yeah. So but take, take a pill. Yeah. hundred percent.
0: Um, that's awesome. So Scott, or, uh, Scott, Maybe that's
2: a new supplement line. The machine pill. That's
0: yeah. It just supplement. takes you out. It'll just be a little ayahuasca and like a capsule and be like, Hey, you believe the machine just, there you go. Yo,
1: okay. Just, LSD. Yeah. That's, so, that's so smart. Actually. Side note. Um, make a note. Uh, we will you, for the VSL, we'll use like the entire Morpheus of red pill, blue pill, and then this is the red pill. Yeah,
2: like yeah, I was
1: totally that. Something. it's like mm-hmm. microdosing. Make a little note. Yeah. We can note Make a little note. Um, <laughs> so Stefan speed run. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Jazz asks, what else don't business owners see because they're too focused on offense?
2: Um, you know, virtually all the defense. So think about <laughs> things like customer service. How long does it take to get back to customers? Think about refund rates, chargebacks. Um, think about distribution of mids. Um, Think about insurance, um, think about forecasting, putting your numbers. I mean, there's just a gajillion things that happen behind the scenes that I think every business owner should pay particular attention to in terms of the defensive realm. So those are a few I mean I, I rail I mean I go over you know vendor relationships, customer service, customer service is a big one. Uh, it's really boring, but um, that will definitely either kick you out of business or keep you in business pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, those are great. Ed, let's keep the speed run good.
1: Right, let's do it. Uh, how to best manage multiple copywriting projects. Just focus on one at a time until done, then move to the next or work on one for a while, takes, take breaks to work on other projects.
0: Uh, so yeah, I personally am very much one at a time. I think like, you know, putting all my focus and attention into one and scheduling it out so that I have enough time to do that. So even if I get multiple projects, one of the reasons that I you know, give people an eight week turnaround time is not because it's going to take me eight weeks. Like it takes me like a couple of days to write a sales letter, but it's that way I can have other things going on and have even other copy projects and yet still get them all done within the deadline, but I manage that out. So I just finished uh, a total, like kind of new letter for the guys at G plans. Uh, I sent it to them yesterday morning, I guess. Um, and, and I love it. I think it's really good and I think it will crush and now I know what I'm doing next and then after that. I have the stuff for, um, I have two other projects after that basically. And, and you know, Ed and, and Mike just hired me where they've got eight weeks there. So I'm like, I'm already playing that out. I'm like in a couple weeks from now is when realistically, I'm actually going to start. So I'll ask them questions and I'll have like, I, you know, I may have thoughts about it as I'm out doing a walk or something and I'll make notes, but I'll truly will work in earnest a little bit later. And it's, it's hard. It's kind of annoying telling, I don't, I don't usually tell clients that, that, you know, but, um, I'm in a, a lucky enough position where I think I can do that. And clients are like, they don't care because they just want the results. So it's like, if the copy is good, um, you know, it is what it is. But, um, but for me, I really, I, 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 I would go crazy. Cause I think you need enough time to really get into like, it's a labor of love. Even for me, like this every letter, it's like sort of this, you know, you come into it and then you, you, maybe you have resistance at the beginning and then you, Find ideas you're really excited about. Like I found so many cool hooks for this G plans one. I don't want to give them away in here. But if you're an RMBC applied, we'll eventually break it down. Um, a little plug for that. But like, yeah, I mean it's just it's so fun. But then you're like, oh crap, you have to start writing it and you're like, oh like man, like is this transitioning? Is it boring? Is there too much science? Am I So then like, you know, you kinda of go through these ups and downs and it's just a emo- but then when you finish, like that cathartic like release of feeling so good of having finished it, um, it's just like, you know, priceless. And so I, you know, that's a whole like intimate, like love affair with every one of those letters. And I can't have multiple love affairs, you know, metaphorically, of course, you know, obviously I don't have love affairs in real life, but can't metaphorically have multiple love affairs at once. so It would burn the shit out of me. Right. I would, I, I, I couldn't do it. Um, so for me, yeah, one at a time, it's a long way of saying, uh, one at a time.
1: Love it. Marcus Ortiz asks tips on avoiding FTC problems and how to handle it. If it happens.
0: That's a pretty loaded <laughs> one. Um, like, <laughs>
2: yeah i mean there's a million yeah i mean it's there's uh there's this guy that does compliance for ftc named ed ray you should go check him out um (laughs) but i mean there's you know there's there's written stuff about how to stay out of the crosshairs there's a lot of material out there how to stay out of the crosshairs there's great attorneys like the venable group in dc that will keep you out of the crosshairs if you're if you are on the ftc list just run dude like it's done like you're (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's not a question of win or lose. I think once you're on that radar, you're going to lose. That's been my experience. There's been very few cases where somebody actually wins. So you just want to, at all costs, stay out of their crosshairs. And it's, um, you know, I, I tell you, one of the biggest tips I learned, um, and I learned this from an FTC lawyer sitting in their offices uh, in San Francisco. I was being interviewed, not for anything I had done, but they were asking me to, you know, cooperate with, you um, with their investigation. But near the end of the conversation, I had said to the guy, look, I'm in the lead gen business. How do you guys do lead gen? How does the FTC, t- FTC do lead gen? And their answer was remarkably simple. They say, we look at the Better Business Bureau. And it was such a simple answer. If you're on the Better, B- Better Business Bureau and you have a really bad reputation, that is the first indication to us that we should look at you. So simple tip, um, stay in the good graces of the better, better business bureau at all costs. Because if you don't, that's, I think where the FTC starts to look.
0: Yeah. It's also funny because I've heard people like the Be- better business bureau kind of is like a racket, right? You have to pay the money to totally. stuff. And totally. so I've had people who like complain about it. It's like, sure. I'm like, but if that means that I'm not going to lose all my money for like, you know, um, some reason, like, it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll I guess, you know, the extortion is worth, you know, paying. Right. Um, right. And then, yeah. And then back to that point too, I mean, like for even the stuff I'm doing now, like we have an FTC slash FDA attorney, like review everything. And like, and, and we also write, you know, intentionally to like, like the, the, to, to, we try, I try to like, as I'm writing or someone else is writing to kind of make it clear that we don't want to make claims that are going to be like super outlandish and get us into trouble. But you know, the, at the end of the day, it's like, if you get really big and you, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, but like even just having an attorney back to like why Ed, um, the advice that Scott gave to you is so valuable. Like um, having like an attorney or an expert look through it and change stuff. Like it's just, uh, my, my, cause I've been on the other side where I'm like, I don't know if what I'm saying is okay or not. And like the, the way I sleep now versus when I slept back then, I sleep dramatically better, you know, today knowing that I've got like, um,
2: you a know, peace of mind
0: yeah, covering so my ass, right. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, so cool. And let's, let's pop through a couple more here, um, on our speed round.
1: By the way, I know my, my team just got the, the link set up for the, is a compliance course. Uh, Christian Diston asks, uh, do you think finding and working with a business partner is a better strategy for success, assuming you find the perfect synergy?
2: Uh, for me, it is. Um, I think we're we're social creatures and um, you, know, you can't be great at everything. So finding a business partner that um, not so much that you get along with necessarily, but that thinks differently and values different topics um, is really important. The tendency for us is to work with people that are just like us. And that's a problem. Um, I, would, I would find people that round out your skill set because you're just not going to be great at everything. And whether it's somebody who's obsessive about customer service or whatever the topic is, but look for people that round you out. But for me, I've been a partner person for basically my entire career. Um, I think it just, uh, it's a better way to go, in my opinion. Yeah, I... I... I'm going to walk, by the way, and... Pl- plug my, so you'll get to see my house, but keep Ooh. talking.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I think that, um, I was say, I mean, I, I agree, but it is really key. The key is the right partner. I mean, that's so crucial. It's like, um, you know, it's like getting married. Right. So it's like, you really want to oh, really? like, you want to date, you want to like have the conversations you want to also have like legal stuff to plan for the divorce as much as it sucks. Cause you're like, no, we're going to moon we're best friends. High five, you know? And then like you really want to plan for the divorce too. Um, I think it's important. Yeah. Um, and as we see Scott walking through, wait froze for a minute. I'm sure he'll come back. Please, there okay. he is.
1: Okay. Yeah. Are you back, Scott? Uh,
2: okay. Yep, I'm here.
1: Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Patrick Chan asks, I've heard that hard work can get to six-figure earnings, but hitting seven-figure is building a system like an offer. When did you feel that it was time to make your own offer? Good question.
0: Were you – I mean, well, I, I'm not sure if it's from here, Scott. I'll, I'll go first. I mean, for me, um, I just felt capped, and I always wanted – more. Um, so even though I was writing for the, the guys in like Romania and they were having a ton of success, it wasn't that I saw them, you know, doing like a hundred million in a year or whatever. And like, um, it wasn't necessarily like, Oh, I want like all that money. Cause I, I knew I understood business enough to know that like that, that wasn't profit, it was revenue. Um, but it was more so that I wanted to be a part of something bigger or do something bigger. And I felt like with them, it was, um, I was like a super highly compensated employee and I just was not i didn't want to do that i wanted to have like more freedom and 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 i've and been a freelancer before so like i knew okay well I, you know, here i am as a freelancer making anywhere from 50 to like eighty thousand dollars a month um I, it's gonna be really hard for me to like make more than that as a freelancer especially at that time in my life um and so and i for me personally had always been drawn to entrepreneurship i mean i i'd been involved in other businesses and and you know not at a high level but but for me i just felt like um I had some money because I had been making money, you know, with these guys like writing, so I had some money so I could, I could take the risk, you know, a little bit more, like it wasn't, um, it wasn't like, uh, if I moved over to an offer owner, like I was going to be completely, um, I had to make it all work in a month and thank God. Cause it, it took like over a year to figure it out. And I almost lost most of the, I, I did lose most of the money I had. Um, but then, you know, found success. Uh, but that was, that was it for me. I mean, and then I guess, you know, Scott, know if you have anything to add or not, I mean, obviously you, you've kind of been an entrepreneur for. A long time. I'm not sure. You know. Oh, that's nice. Oh, say hey, Remy. What's up, buddy? Hi. I guess oh, so
2: cute. Yeah, being the the pan, the, the pandemic dad, uh, the stay-at-home dad. Him. Tell them that you're so cute. You. <laughs> Stefan's so cute. All right, I'll tell. Well, him thank him. you, thank you, Remy. Um. Yeah, no, it's hard. I, I think that you're either born an entrepreneur or you're not. Um, I think some people relish in the risk of losing it all and not working out. Some people are just are born to be in the machine and that's a great place to also be as well because we all need that and different risk profile. My, my younger brother, uh, you know, works is an investment banker for a big Swiss bank and he finds safety and knowing that he's been in one, you know, field for as, as an employee for for 20 years and done quite well. To me, that's a death sentence um, to have, um, you, you know, to run the risk of having the success or failure based on somebody else. So, um, yeah, it's, I think it's just different risk profiles. And I think the good news is that you can do it. Uh, in our society where if you fail, there's, I mean, the recourse is not that bad. You're probably still getting Starbucks and, and, and sleeping in, you know, organic sheets. And so I it just encourage people to like, keep trying and, and fail over and over again um, and see if that life is for you. Some people it's not, and that's okay too. It's not bad, but um, yeah. So I don't know.
0: No, that's, that's awesome. Um, And I know like I try to be respectful of, of both your time. So Ed, if you need to run, you can, Scott, are you down to like five ish more minutes of just,
2: yeah, as long 20? as you don't mind awesome. Remy, Remy popping in once in
1: a while. Yeah, I don't
0: mind. I'll usually eat a mix She's, she's out, um, right now uh, at a park, but, um, and if you want to, you know, I don't want, I know you got your, your, uh, compliance kind of course launching. So I don't want to hold you hostage if you want to, if you want to take off or you can hang out for five I, more minutes. I can hang
1: out for a few more minutes.
0: Okay, cool. Let's go through and find, I was trying to find ones of people who we haven't, you know, Marcus has another one, and, and we just answered one from uh, from Jason, I think, right? Yes, um, and
1: do you mind if I put the link in the chat.
0: Yeah, no, please pop it in there. Sweet.
1: Um, By the way, it's it's a Google Doc. I'm doing it, I'm doing it different. It's not a, not ooh, a, it's a
0: Google Doc. Ooh, look at you! I'm excited to check it out, though. I'm yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy the course myself for sure. Oh, <laughs> and answer your question, Jason. Okay, no problem. So that's thanks for thanks for correcting me. Um, uh, do you want to? I'll let you keep reading the mouth. I guess so I guess go to Jason's next if that's cool. Or I can do it while you put your link in the chat.
1: Sorry, there we go. Okay, uh, from Jason. Jason asks, uh, for a new supplement launch, what are your thoughts on running a small test with cold traffic using a made-up doctor to validate the offer and funnel first and then swapping out with a real legit doctor to scale once we know it's converting and generating a profitable ROAS? I'm bootstrapping this biz and want to be smart about spending cash on a doctor up front before anything is validated.
0: I'm going to answer that first and I'll let you answer after, Scott, because I just think... My answer is like, you just don't need a doctor. So like why, like you can, the vast majority of supplement offers are do can go great with an anti-expert or like a non-doctor. So even if you're like, you know, having a, have just, I just wouldn't use a doctor and then I would test adding in a doctor later when you can afford to have them, I mean, you know, to be completely candid, I think people like, you know, they do that kind of stuff and like, I'm not gonna sit here and be judgy about it. And like, sure. It's so like, I think honestly, do I think you're gonna go to hell if you like do a small test and you have like a made up doctor, like. No, um, you know, especially if your intention is that you're going to replace with a real doctor pretty fast. Um, but I just don't feel like I also don't really feel like you need a doctor. Like I, I think doctors are super overrated for the most part um, in health supplement offers. But then Scott, I'd love to get your take on that as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm 50, 50 on that. Like I've seen, you know, that third party credibility, like, you know, in the case of native path, we had Chad Walding, who is our doctor and has been the face of the company. And certainly I think we've gone pretty far with that. I've seen it done before. um, And I've also seen it not done. Right. So I think, you know, both ways uh, work. And I would say that in terms of the idea of testing something um, without it, yeah do it like it's kind of like when you when you give birth to offers like this it's like hook or crook like you got to get something going and and um good enough is okay like so don't feel compelled to wait till everything is perfect and you have the right doctor and everything like just get something out the door um and let the market determine kind of what needs to get fixed on it or where you're at but yeah i would i would if you're just starting out you literally got to do anything you possibly can to give this offer the light of day and if it means faking a doctor for the first you know month, do it, man. Like whatever, launching these things aren't easy. Uh, there are a lot of work and a lot of ways you can fail. So take advantage of every opportunity you can. Um, and if it means, you know, faking it for a bit, like do it, I don't know.
0: it so like our FTC disclaimer, um, you know, these are just educational advice that is not a, uh, you know,
1: just right, right right,
2: yeah. right, right. Or get to the point where your, your, your cart you can't check out. I mean, yeah, but that's right. And quite frankly, I mean, unless you're doing really outrageous, crazy stuff, like this cures COVID or whatever, (laughs) generally speaking at this, at that level where you're just starting out, the FTC doesn't really give a crap about you there. From what I understand, those guys are looking for the big wins. I mean, they, they wanted to have somebody big. And so if you're just starting out, they they don't care about you, which is great.
0: For sure. Jason said the letter is written in a doctor's voice. So we would have to write the whole thing to remove the doctor. Just to be fair though, like, not really. I mean, you can just be like, Hey, I'm so-and-so and I'm an expert and I'm like a researcher and like, you know what I mean? Like you could still like have like a, like a researcher type spoke, spokesperson and then anyone can be a researcher. Right. And like, you know, unless you're like, unless the whole story is like, I was at my medical practice and like I was seeing, I mean, if it's really specific, I guess then that's an issue. But if it's like more so that the guy's like a doctor and I noticed stuff going on with my patients and I went to discover the real like reason why it's like, you could be like, I'm a researcher and I know things going on with people that I like talked with and I went to, you know you can basically tell the same story without needing a doctor. So um yeah, but hopefully that that helps. And I think we had um Isaac next, right? Ed. well, muted Ed Ray.
1: That's me, my man. What's so, up? Isaac, if you previously pitched a lead and gotten no response, how would you reapproach and follow up once your positioning is better?
0: So for that one, and I'm guessing this is, you know, a getting clients type thing, um, I'd use humor. Like um, Ian and I went through that with like the freelancer course. So like I looked at somebody who followed up with me like eight times and um, it's like the first couple i ignored and he sent one that, I forget what it was. but so the guy was like, had like a funny subject line and a funny email It was kind of self-deprecating and like, Hey, it's me again. Like, you know, like, uh, like I know I'm the fucking worst, but anyway, you know, I was like, and I was like, it, it had a bunch of jokes and like, it like cracked me up and I, and I, I saw personality. Um, and then I really, uh, was like, ah, oh, you know what? I like this guy. And then I responded and then the guy basically never followed up and closed me, which was crazy. But, um, so there's a lesson how to follow up and then how to not follow up, uh, in, in there. But, but that's the, the short answer for that one.
1: Cool. Next up from Alexis, how can we do with companies who seem a bit sketchy and scammy when they're hiring copywriters? I can share any, uh, no, I can share an experience. There we go. There's a question.
0: So yeah, I saw, um, Alex had sent me an email about this too, which usually I go, but for everyone, you ask questions on here. I don't, I don't take them as an email, but, um, basically, uh, Alex or Alexis said that when we get hired for an agency. They told him the process would be composed of three steps, write an advertorial for $10, write a short form story-based sales letter for $10 and an interview, if I got past the first step, I qualified for the second and so on. I managed to pass all the steps. Can't imagine how happy I was when I got the news. I was even crying the next day. They told me the CMO wanted to have a chat with me, but the conversation never happened. They just sent me an email a few days later that the CMO wanted to do another test, six post-purchase email sequences, which by the way wasn't paid. and wasn't part of the hiring process. When I completed that test, they never got back to me. I had to chase him and spam the females. So they gave me an answer. And that was, I didn't pass the final test. Um, this knocked me down really hard. I even got into depression. Um, I, I noticed a few edits in my tests, which made me think they're going to use them for their own benefit. I mean, and he's basically asking, you know, what, what can you do when companies don't follow their own hiring processes and don't seem transparent? I mean, I think you gotta use a little experience there and look at red flags. Like I think doing a pay test is like a fair thing for them to do. Um. I mean, ten dollars is not, especially for a sales letter. It's a little yikes, a little yucky. Um, but I mean, I don't know. This seems like some red flags there to me, especially once you with the follow up of doing the creatives. I, I think at a certain point, I would be like, uh, just just say no. I don't know. I mean, it's tough. I know. I understand when you're kind of like desperate for work, but I also feel like I'd just be like. No, like, you know, like, like i I think I've shown you a sample like me to have an interview or I'd, I'd probably move on and like, look at other opportunities pretty fast. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Scott.
2: No, that's about right. I think that's great.
0: Yeah. I just, it just honestly, like the answer is like, don't, you know, yeah, you gotta, like, you gotta move on. I do like beef jerky because Jazz said $10 is a bag of beef jerky. So, um, Yes. All right, let's do like maybe two, two or three more and then we'll, we'll call up, it. Wrap it up here. What are
1: the top insights you've gotten into why people buy that you consistently use to make Hella sales?
0: Did you got Marcus in there again? I was trying to get new people, but.
1: Uh, it's jazz.
0: Oh, ja yeah, I see what top, oh, I see top things you learned here. Oh, never mind. Okay.
2: Hella, um, Marcus,
1: are you from Northern California? It's actually jazz. It was jazz. jazz. It was jazz who did it. It's jazz.
2: Uh, Hella is a, yeah, it's a, you know, it doesn't come out very often. Hella.
1: It's a younger person thing like I, I say it too sometimes. Kids these days, man. Kids these days.
2: Yeah. But
0: Scott, I'll let you answer that one. Maybe what are some, because you love the psychology of selling. So what are some of the top insights you've gotten into why people buy and that you consistently use to make hella sales?
2: Oh, hella sales. Yeah, no, I, I have not. I mean, you guys, this is your world, Stefan. I mean, it's, it's, it's storytelling. We're all hope dealers, right? We're all selling hope. My, my collagen will insert benefit for you. So we're all just general hope dealers selling dreams and hopes and stories and stuff like that. So I think if you can master the art of, of selling hope and dreams, then you can do hella sales. Um, so it's, I think it's just all storytelling at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like they're buying, you know, the sell to the bleeding necks too. Right. It's like generally, um, When do you go to buy is like, when you have like, when you don't just have a pain point, but it's something has happened. Like that has led you to feel like things cannot go on this way. And that's when you look for a solution. Like for me, I have like seasonal allergies, but like I ignore them. But then like, if like, it's a really bad, like week or something, and like I'm stuffed up with like a sinus infection and watery eyes. Like, like then I'm like buying every remedy on the planet, like taking herbal drops, like taking supplements. Like, you know, if I go see an allergist, it's like. But you know, then other times like my eyes are a little watery right now, but it's not bad enough, but there's that, that moment, right? So you want to sell to me when I'm at that place where like, I'm like, I'm so sick of it. I will pay any amount of money to solve the problem versus the um, place where I'm like, no, yeah, allergies are annoying, Like you do that. I mean, I get you get the right ad in front of me. Like maybe I'll be like, Oh, I should try that. I have allergies, but it's very different. My mentality is very different versus like, I will do anything I can to fix this problem right now. And that that's the person you want to sell to as much as possible. Um. I like Shura has kind of cracked me up because like, do you think the business space you are in has dirty power plays going on in the way it does in the typical American corporate world? If yes, then what are some ways to dominate in your industry and gain power? And Shura is a 16 uh, year old uh, in India. He's a regular friend of the show. I love Shura, but I love Shura asking about dirty power plays and ways to dominate and gain power. So I don't know, Scott, if you have any thoughts on that one.
2: How to be more dirty or to be more powerful or I, yeah, like, Lie more or yeah, maybe <laughs> keep lying.
0: yeah. I mean, I guess dirty power plays is like, it's a really broad kind of concept, Shura. That's the one thing. Like, I mean, um, it's
2: hard too. I mean, I think that, you know, selling is hard. I mean, s- selling, selling almost has a dirty connotation to it. Like when you're selling something, you're making claims, you're, you know, I mean, selling is, is a bad word in, in some circles where you're trying to make a sale. Um, uh, i I remember discussing this with a younger person about selling collagen for thirty seven bucks and and you know what did it cost you for and she said well that's that's not fair that's not fair that you can you you could do that you know and so i thought god am i should should I be selling them at an at, 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 at break even or should I endeavor to have a profit to it so yeah it's a tough one man i mean um some people don't like to sell and selling is a part of the game here i mean we ran across. I mean, especially in the health and wellness space as well. I think it's particularly uh, problematic when you have people making claims about health and wellness. Um, I mean, you can make a lot of really crazy claims to sell stuff. Um, And is that fair? Is that right? I'm not totally sure, but yeah, it's a tough, tough topic. You know,
0: I I do feel like, you know, ultimately um, we're generally the good guys. Like are there people in our space who are doing shady things? Like for sure. Um, Just like in any industry, but, you know, I, I just look at like, like, like uh, not to get like controversial, but like, um, with COVID, like, you know, hospitals get paid more money when somebody like has COVID. Right. And so there's all, and like, again, talking to Paul, who's like, a doctor, an ER doctor in that, um, hospital in um, in Queens, it's like literally like the, like it was a ground zero of like COVID in New York, but even him, he's like, oh yeah, it's like somebody gets hit by a bus and like COVID, you know? And like, I'm not saying that he, I don't want to get him in trouble. I'm not saying that he said that about his specific hospital or anything, but like. Basically being, having all these doctor friends and seeing how it's going, it's like, they literally are like, you know, it's like somebody falls down the stairs like COVID cause they get more money. And then like the Trump administration just had done a thing where they were like, Hey, for like Medicaid to get the extra reimbursements, you need to like, um, you know, you have to basically show that they had a positive COVID test and immediately the uh, like hospital like industry and their lobbyists were like, that is outrageous. That's ridiculous. What about like the false negatives and like the like, false negatives isn't really a thing from what I understand. I've heard a lot more about false positives and false negatives. So none of this is to say that COVID doesn't exist. That's not scary. That's not awful. But the point is like, I'm pretty sure that hospitals and medical systems are massively basically ripping off taxpayers um, and getting more money, right. And taking advantage of this pandemic. But how many of them are going to get in any trouble for that? Like zero. Right. And then you look at the banks during 2008 to 2010 the financial crisis, um, I, you know, I just think like, it's not that all big. So you want to talk about dirty tactics and power plays. I think big business does employ those more, but I think in our space, um, you know, like what's our dirty tactic that we use psychology to charge more for like a bottle of collagen than maybe like, you know, someone at a store does. Like, I just think, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Not to go on a, a tangent. No, here, I, I like
2: the fact that you're calling it out, uh, Stefan, cause I'm, I'm decidedly critical of the health and wellness space. I, I want to call it out for what it is. We, we make money, but, but I all, you know, when, when I meet a marketer, it's like, I'm just here to help people. Right. Um, no, are you then, do why do you have five upsells then? You know I mean? Like, really? Do you you just want to help people? I mean, so I think the health, health and wellness space in particular, there's a double standard. There's a fine line between like calling out that you're a marketer, you want to sell product and, and, and also we can help people at the same time, like endeavor to do both. But, but there is a kind of a holier than thou approach in the health and wellness space. Like, Bro, I help people. I'm not sure what you do, but I, but I save lives. Like, okay, do you? Yeah. Is that is that why you need to charge $85 for your girl that costs you ten or five? So anyway, whatever. We can get we can have a whole topic on I that. Know. Yeah.
0: No, I know, but, but no, it's a fair point. But um, Hey, right, let's end it here. I know there's a few questions we can get to, and, and I'm sorry if we didn't get to your question. I have another call in 11 minutes, and I want to be respectful of Scott and his time. Um, but. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for being my guest today. It was just super fun. My pleasure. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I, we got to catch up soon, cool. and either next time you're in Vegas or San Diego, or I'll come see you, but hopefully soon. And, um, and Ed Ray, thank you so much for being our amazing co host as always. Really appreciate it. Everyone should check out Ed's uh, compliance course, which just went live today. He put the link in the chat again. Um, I'm actually going to click it so I can save it, have it open here. Um, yeah, and everyone who attended asked a question, hung out, interacted in the chat. I was on Facebook Live. Again, I didn't have Facebook Live open because um, I did not want my internet to die. Uh, But really appreciate it. And we'll see everyone next time. So that's it. Thank you all so much. Thank you. All right. That's just about it for today. Before we finish, though, let me share a little bit more about how you can stay in touch with me. I have a private email list where I share high level tricks, strategies and insights about copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset and more. In fact, often my podcasts are based on topics I first emailed out to my list weeks or even months earlier. So if you want to get brand new stuff from me every single day, go to stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. These emails are often upwards of a thousand words, and I send them every day. So make sure you really can commit to engaging with me on that level. But as long as you can, and you should because I do drop a ton of value in these emails, go apply to join my list today. And again, the web address is stefanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. And in case you don't know how to spell my name, which is okay, it is S-T-E-F-A-N, Paul, and then my last name is georgi, G-E-O-R-G-I.com. So stefanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe, and I will see you in my email list.